pastor of K2, the church in Salt Lake City, but some of you probably remember Dave spoke at our very first leadership gathering. Um, it was at Orient Campus, and I remember it was like a moment, a spiritual marker for me, because we rolled out our new vision or our new mission statement for Kensington, and Dave really challenged and inspired us on what it is to pursue the one. Um, and so we're really excited to have you back tonight. So cool. awesome. go for it. Thanks, Maggie. All right, it, it, it really is an honor to be here, and I am so excited at talking to these guys about this night, knowing even by those answers <clears throat> that most of you, you're in, or you're really considering being in, and so that's awesome. So I'm going to kind of break some speaker rules here tonight, and I'm not even going to take some time to, to connect with you all. Are we connected? Yeah. All right, all right, good, we're good. You know why we're connected? Because Jesus Christ moved out. Right? The only reason we're here is because Jesus Christ has moved out. And man, I love that. That, that song, that, that you called my name and I ran out of that grave. Isn't that a great picture? Man, and I just, I, I literally this time for some reason could picture that moment when he called my name and what I was doing when he did and how he rescued me. And I'm so grateful. Well, here's the reality. Jesus told us, that God is always at work, always. And he said, and I too am working. Jesus is always moving out. And so if you follow Jesus, what are you gonna do? You're gonna move out. You can't. He says, if you follow me, come follow me, and I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. And so if you're ever becoming matured like Jesus at all, it means we are actually moving out and bringing his kingdom to earth. So here we go. I'm jumping right in. First Corinthians chapter nine, and this is from the message, okay? I love this version of this passage. Paul says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily, any volunteers in here? <laughs> right. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and to, everybody say it, I am moving out. In order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world. He moved out and he entered into their world. And, he try, and I tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. That's the heart of Jesus Christ. And I did all of this because of the message, because of the gospel. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Amen? Amen. All right. So... You've all been on the stadium and you've seen the athletes race. Everyone runs. One wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. And they do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. And I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and I'm in top condition. Isn't that awesome? 
So here's what I thought. When I read that and I thought about you guys, you're giving up your Friday, you're giving up your Saturday, you're all in because you want to move out. And I, what was fascinating to me years ago, because I've read that passage like, man, I'm going to beat my body and I'm going to give it everything, I'm going to run the race. But do you see why he's running it? Do you see why he's training himself? Do you see why he's going to give it everything he's got? In, in the Bible, it's a bummer because in the English, all our English Bibles, they separated these two passages, one of, one of those headings. And I like the headings, but this time I wish they wouldn't have done it because his flow of thought was, I'm gonna go out and I'm moving out into the neighborhood and I'm gonna become anything for all people so I can somehow reach some and save anybody. That's the gold medal. <laughs> The gold medal, the prize, the maturity is because we actually joined a God who moved from heaven out into the world. And now he's living in us to make us do the same thing. And so we train because we're running to win the race. All right? So I have two things. As I sat and prayed and about this evening for you guys, I have two things I want to do for you because I know you're already in. So I want to encourage you tonight and I want to empower you tonight. I want to encourage you, and I want to empower you, okay? So can we pray, actually, before I jump in and do this? Let's ask. If I'm going to say the words, you all, what would happen if hundreds of us right now went to the throne of God and said, Jesus, come in. I don't care how devoted you are to him. Come in and light a fire in me to move out, all right? Let's ask him to meet us here in that way. Father in heaven, thank you for loving the world because that's us. Thank you for rescuing us from the dominion of darkness. Thanks for calling us out of that grave. Thanks for the life that we have. We worship you tonight. We know that you're here. We've praised you, and you say, I enter your praise. I inhabit it. Jesus, you are well in all of us. So now we're asking through your spirit, God, speak. Speak to us. God, I ask you to speak to every individual in here, including myself, even as I speak. Because we want to hear you. Because we live on every word that comes from your mouth. So God, just be here and then corporately, God, just unite Kensington and set them on fire to do something great as we move out in your name. So thanks for being here. Can't wait to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's talk, about, let's talk about some encouragement. The word actually in the Greek, if you go into encourage, it simply means to bring to one side. So the, in the English, if you go, if you kind of the root of encourage means to give courage. And courage happens when someone comes to your side. Here's what I wanna encourage you. God's been by your side before you were ever born. And so when we think about going out, I want you to remember that God was by your side before you were ever born. So you have a unique design, every one of you. And you need to move out in that design. Colossians 1.16 says, for in him, and this is Jesus, for in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. This was fascinating to me when I first really sat with this. For in him, all things were created. What's crazy is everything you in this room was created 
right? This music stand was created. The seats you're sitting in were created. The clothes you're wearing were created. But where did the creation of the stand and those chairs and your clothes start? Where did it start? In someone's mind. This is fascinating to me. All the way back to Genesis, what does it say? It said that God created the world. How did he do it? What did he do? How did he create the world? He, he spoke it. So that's what I'm doing. What am I doing? I'm speaking. And every word that's coming out of my mouth is actually an idea that's expressed. That's what a word is. A word is something that's inside of me that I want to get out and express it. Listen, you guys. You are God's idea expressed. And every one of you in here is unique. You are a unique expression of God that is so beautiful and so wonderful. And the world needs to see the very living God expressed through you. So in Psalm 139, it says, you have created my inmost being. The DNA, the, the, the very essence of who you are, you knit me together in my mother's wombs and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And isn't it crazy? You had no choice in the matter. You weren't sitting in there and going, hey God, I'd love to be a blonde. Hey, I'd love to be funny. Could you make me funny? Could you make me, no, you didn't have any, you had no say. God just does it. And I want to tell you, it's crazy. So I'm going to introduce you to my, my family because, man, my kids could not be more different than each other. This is, this is Mariah and Ashlyn. They were the only two who were here when we moved. When we moved away from you guys, they were two and six months. So Mariah, that girl, she's a redhead. We called her Mariah because I don't know if you guys know the song. They call the wind Mariah. Anybody know who sang that song? Clint Eastwood. You're right. It was Clint Eastwood. That's why it wasn't a big hit, but, um, but the other thing is in the scripture. So they call the wind Mariah in John 3. Jesus says, if you are born of God, the spirit is like the wind. And I tell you, man, we named her right. That chick is wild. And she is an artist through and through. I mean, from the very beginning, man, she's like, put me on the stage. And she's created art. And she's a dancer. And she's in theater. And I was hoping by tonight I could tell you, but we're, if it didn't happen today, which it didn't, we're going to find out tomorrow because Mariah has signed up for YWAM in London. And she's going to be giving her life in the theater world to do what? Yeah, see, this is, she's moving out, literally moving out of our house. And she's very excited about that, by the way. But, but what I love is she's discovered who she was from day one, man. That chick is so emotional. Every day is high or low. Every day. And if she was here, she'd go, you're right. But God made her that she can express artistically like nobody else. But now she's discovered, and he made me that way to move out into the world. And she's going to get trained and head all over Europe doing that. It's so exciting. Ashlyn, Ashlyn's like, whatever. It's like, thank you, God. We got one of these, and we got one of these, right? My favorite line from Ashlyn was, is this going to be one of those emotional conversations? Um, <laughs> 
Ashlyn is an athlete. So she's our athlete. She's played a highest level soccer her whole life. But the cool thing about Ashlyn from day one, man, that girl cares so deeply about everyone around her and everything has to be fair. Everybody has to get the same amount and the equal peace. And she's, if she sees somebody hurting, man, she just weeps. She couldn't have friends for a while because she couldn't get too close to them because they tell her stuff about them and she couldn't handle it. You know what's cool? Ashlyn's going to probably nip soccer, even though she's played at the highest level, because she feels like she's supposed to help because he first loved us. Because he first loved us is a ministry for refugees in Salt Lake City. We're one of the five refugee cities in America. And instead, on Tuesday night, she went and, and all by herself and trudged over there because she's going to volunteer and figure out how to help these refugee kids learn soccer and play with these girls. See, she's found out who she is, and she's moving out. This is Caleb. He's my son, my third one. Yes, we are in the Oakland Coliseum watching the Lions play the Raiders. <laughs> my kids hate me for making them Lions fans. <laughs> Dad, seriously, Right? It's character building. We're going to talk about that on Sunday. Um, if anybody wants to show up, I'll be at the Clarkson campus. We're going to talk about how suffering produces character. It's awesome. Um, Caleb, though, when he was two and a half years old, you know how kids grab the crayon and they just go like this all over the paper? I'm not lying. The kid's holding the crayon like this, and he's coloring inside the lines. So immediately I'm like, that's weird. And he's an artist. He's just an artist. Now, how that's going to flesh out, we don't really know. But you guys, God designed every single one of them in the way he wanted them to be. I, this is my wife, Susie. There she is. Love of my life. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Vernon. Uh, but, um, and you know what, Susie? I'm telling everybody, right? We've been married 20 years now. Uh, and this is, she's in the sweetest spot she's ever been in in 20 years. You know why? When I met her, man, she, she uh, gave me some, she had to work, and so she said, hey, why don't you hear some stuff I've written? Why don't you just read this I, 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 so you can get to know me? And I read these things, and I'm like, if this stuff is in that woman, I want to know her. <laughs> and I've been telling her for 20 years, you need to write, babe, you need to write, you need to write. And she kept feeling like God was saying no to her. Finally, two years ago, he, she finally heard him say, you're a writer. Susie's writing a book called The Failure of God. And I'm so excited about it because people who don't believe in Jesus love her. They just love her. And she gets to know all these people who have all these intellectual arguments against God. But instead, she realizes, it's, as she got to know them, which is how you actually reach people for Jesus, she found out it's not your intellectual argument. You have been hurt. Life has treated you poorly. So this whole book, The Failure of God, how many of you have felt like God has failed you? Okay, the rest of you are totally lying. <laughs> Come on. If you're human, <laughs> you have felt this. And so anyway, but here's what I'm saying. From day one, Susie has found, and she is doing what she was created to do, but she's using it out. She's moving out with her gift. I'm telling you, every one of you, from the day you were born and while you were still in your mother's womb, Jesus was saying, I want to live in you. I want to live in you. And I want to move out through you. So I'm designing you in a very specific way with specific abilities. Your inmost being is designed by him. Believe that and know that 
and move out in that. All right? Let's go to the second one. God has been by your side through your entire story. Not just did he design you a certain way. From the day you've been born, your whole story, God has been by your side. And I want to encourage you about that because this is super important. You have a unique story. You are not just the design that God made you to be. All of us are the culmination of everything that has ever happened to you. (laughs) Everything you have ever seen, everything you have ever heard, everything that you have experienced, your home situation especially, it's your story. And man, some of us in here, we've got some great moments, and some of us in here have had hell on earth. And it's your story. And sometimes it's because of the decisions you made, and sometimes it's because of the decisions others made to you, but it's your story. And that story, God wants to use your story out there. Because somebody else out there is relating to only your story. I remember when I really surrendered my life to Christ when I was 19, I went down to Asbury College. And and while I was down there, I met some people who were just absolutely living for him. And I'm so glad I learned this at such an early age. Nothing, God does nothing in my life that's just for me. Ever. It's never just for me. Anything that's happened to me, my whole story is always for you and for everybody else. We're telling tons of stories right now at K2, and it's great. And I tell every person when they get ready to share their story, somebody out there, God's working, and your story is going to be a ministry to them. Every one of you have got to believe this. It's so important. So Paul had a story, right? And in 1 Timothy 1, he says, he goes, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Come on, man, if I can pound anything in you tonight, the one you love, the one you serve, the one you worship, the one who saved you moves out. He came to save sinners. And so if we're really following him, we gotta get outside these walls. And then he says, of whom I'm the worst. He's going, guys, my story. In fact, people, I run into people all the time who just feel like God can't forgive them, right? Like it, it, most people really struggle to forgive themselves. And I think, and then what, what does Paul say? He goes, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. See, Paul had a story, <laughs> He's killing Christians. I'm always like when people are, there's no way God can forgive me. Seriously, have you killed Christians lately? (laughs) No? No. Okay, you're good. Right? So, but because Paul had the story and he was redeemed, he could go out into the world and every person who feels like they're too bad for God, Paul's like, no, you're not. Look at my story. Come on, man. 
You have a story. And then I love in Philippians 3, 5, and 6, Paul says, he's like, okay, you want to boast? He goes, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. The other thing that's so cool about Paul's story and why, and I think, why would God choose this guy? Because this guy was zealous because this guy was sharp, right? He's, he's writing stuff, and even Peter, who's the head of the church, is going, it's really hard to understand Paul. <laughs> God used Paul's story, his upbringing, to take his word into the world. And everything that's ever happened to you, and your story, where you grew up, in your home, the things you've done, God was by your side, and he wants to use who you are. Let me give you a few examples. This is Vaughn Huffman. There he is. Vaughn goes to K2, and uh, my favorite story about Vaughn is the first day he walked in. So we were just starting. We were called the Rock and Roll Church, right, in Salt Lake City, because everybody there was going, what is going on? You know? um, Vaughn popped in because his daughters invited him to come. And he said he was sitting there, and he goes, he saw all these people with tattoos and girls with purple hair. And he said he sat there, and he goes, man, this just isn't for me. And then literally, as soon as he said that, the Holy Spirit spoke to him, and Vaughn said, this isn't for me. And from that day on, he changed. And he didn't come to church anymore so it'd be for him. He realized that God was in him to move out. God was in him to make a difference. Now, what did Vaughn do? Start hanging out with girls with purple hair? <laughs> no, that's not Vaughn. You know what Vaughn is? He's a builder. And so what he does is he finds all these guys and he realizes, man, there's all these men who just don't like Bible studies. There's guys who really don't want to hang out in church. Let's actually do what we love to do and get guys together. And they create a ministry called Local 316 that goes out into the community and blesses people. And he moves out with who he is. This is Daniel Pimentel. Daniel, one of the amazing things living in Salt Lake City, Daniel's family, he grew up in a polygamous situation. His wife, his, his wife, no, it'd be his mom. Uh, and those aren't his wives, those are his sisters. Okay, so. Uh, but, but, but so Daniel, literally, his mom was in a polygamous situation. Amazing story I can't get into, but some people rescued her from that. Came in, we actually built them a house. This was one of our out there things that we did because we moved out, we built their whole family house. But she met a guy from El Salvador. Uh, Renee, and they got married. So Daniel ends up growing up with this dad from El Salvador. He goes there, El Salvador, horrible, war-torn country, just violence, it's awful. You know what Daniel's doing today? He actually did youth ministry for us for a couple years, and then this last year, he felt like God was calling him to go to Honduras. So Daniel has moved out, and now he's living in Honduras with our partner there in Tegucigalpa because eventually he feels like God wants him to move into El Salvador. Right? Why? Because that's his story. He got a dad from El Salvador. And God used his story for that. You guys might know this gal. This is Amy King. Anybody in here remember Amy? Okay. So Amy King actually was here at Kensington. She moved out with us to help plant the church. When Amy was a young girl, her father died at a young age. 
And she constantly felt this deep, deep hole in her heart because she didn't have a dad. You know what Amy does now? (laughs) Man, you cannot talk to this woman (laughs) without hearing the passion for those in the foster care system and adoption. So Amy actually left us, went down to Texas for two years and got trained in adoption ministry. Now has moved back to Salt Lake and has started for the Orphan Network. And she is absolutely convinced that if every church would just wake up and if every church would just take one kid out of the foster system, we could demolish it in Salt Lake City. Isn't that cool? Why is she doing that? Because it's her story. And the life she lived, the hand she was dealt, has caused her to move out. This is my newest one, and I'm so excited. This is Justin Leeper. Justin, he and his fiance came in, and I got to lead him, both of them to Christ. They got baptized just this last year, super excited. But Justin was a great athlete when he was in high school, and then he tore up his knee, and he could never play again. And because of the depression of that, and because of the medical, because of the drugs, he got totally addicted. And next thing you know, this really sharp, great guy, is just destroying his life. And so now he's found Christ and he's totally cleaned himself up. And he thinks God has given him a vision. He just showed it to me last week of of, of an actual bottle, a, a, a pill bottle that will only allow you to take one pill at a time. Isn't that cool? So what's he doing? He's saying, here's my story. And I see it, man. We see it in every TV show we watch. I see it in the billboards in Salt Lake. We got to be careful about all Be careful, be careful. And Justin's going, no, let's freaking do something about it. And now he's moving out into the world that destroyed him because Jesus is inside him giving him ideas. Isn't that cool? Yes. So every one of you was designed by God for a reason, so he could live in you and express himself through you in the unique design that you are. And every one of you has walked every moment of your day with Jesus right by your side. And he is the redeemer who takes everything that happens to us and then fills us with himself so you can move out and help change the world. So man, I encourage you, be you. Be you. Don't be anybody else. In fact, I'm going to go back. I wasn't going to do this, but let's go back to that verse. Matthew 5, 16 says this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And as I sat there, I'm like, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then what did he say? You are the light of the world. But as I... As I sat with that, I was like, how interesting. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. Let your good deeds. So what is a good deed? First of all, a good deed is anything that's in alignment with God. Anything in the kingdom of God. Anything that's in the will of God. That's what's right and that's what's good. So do that. That's a good deed. But secondly, a good deed is you doing what God designed you to do. You know what a bad deed is? You trying to be somebody else. You wanting to do something that somebody else gets to do. Right? The Bible even says you don't get to even choose your spiritual gift either. You know, you just don't. Man, so I walk in. I got weird hair. Okay? It's, it's actually pretty normal looking, but every time I go in to get a haircut, the stylists are like, oh man. And I'm like, 
So I have a decent amount, which I'm really grateful for, but it's really fine and it's blonde. So it's hard to cut. That's what, Linda, you can tell me later if that's true. And, uh, but it's, it's hard to cut. I literally had one stylist. I'm sitting there in the chair and she's walking around me like this. I'm, I mean, like for three or four minutes. She finally went and got somebody else to cut my hair because she didn't think she could do it. So you know what happens? I go to a barber shop and I walk in and I, all they have are clippers. They don't use scissors. So I'm like, this will be interesting. And the guy says, uh, how, what would you like done? I said, I'd like about this much off. He goes, okay. Pulls out his clippers and he goes, he just, he just goes right. I go, oh, what are you doing? He goes, I thought you only wanted this much left. And I said, no, no, I wanted that much off. The guy tried to fix it as best he could. This was about two years ago. So this week, I went to my normal place and they were packed and I wanted to get my hair cut. So I just Googled, you know, got on Yelp actually and said barbershop and went into this place. And as soon as I walked in, I'm like, oh crap. This is a clipper place. And I sat in the chair and the guy started asking me questions. And I'm like, you don't know how to cut my hair, do you? And I literally asked him, I go, do you, are you cool with cutting my hair? Because I know it's kind of hard for people to do. He's oh yeah, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. He turned me away from the mirror and pulled out those clippers. And the whole time I'm just sitting there, I'm doing, are, are you kidding me? You know, I, and this is where I'm just too nice. I'm too nice. I should have just walked out, but I didn't. I'm like, okay, just take the pain. And I mean, seriously, we got done, you guys. And, and so here, here's what I'm saying. A good deed is when you do what you're gifted to do. A bad deed is when you're trying to do something you're not gifted to do. What's even worse is me looking in the mirror, fixing my own hair. Okay? Hey, can I just tell you, you are an expression of God. And your story, God was with you. And he wants to use your story. So that's your encouragement, and here's your empowerment. I really want to empower you. You have a unique superpower. You have a unique superpower. Colossians 1, 26 and 27 says, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations is now disclosed to the Lord's people, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now listen, this is so interesting to me. I'm learning something a lot in my own personal life, in my walk. I've been walking, man, I've been in ministry for, this is crazy, over 32 years now. Been walking with Jesus for 40. Here's something I'm learning about me. There's a lot of things I know, after all that, that I don't actually believe. And one of the most dangerous things for any of you guys who've been Christians for a while is you know some stuff, but you don't actually believe it. And the only way that you know that you believe it is because you act on it. And I read that verse, and as soon as I read that, I just thought, you know what? I, I probably read that, and some of you are going, yeah, I know Jesus is in me. Do you know Jesus is in you? Okay, let me just say, do you know Jesus is in you? That's crazy. That's crazy. The one who rose from the dead 
is living inside you. And the scriptures point blank tell us the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is living in you. The hope of glory. Now, I think that means a lot of things. I think it means the hope of heaven. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm sealed and done. I'm going. But man, it means the hope of glory right now. Jesus told his father, he said, I have given them the same glory you gave me. And the glory is the ability to actually live a godly life down here. Don't you know, Romans says, you were baptized into his death. But if you were baptized into his death, you were also baptized into his resurrection so that you can live a new life. Yes. And so... Jesus is saying, you follow me, I'm coming in you. I'm not by you anymore. That was fun. To walk by you, that wasn't good enough. I'm coming in you. And he is in you every moment of every day. He's in you on Monday morning. He's in you at your workplace. You want to move out? Just move out on Monday into your workplace and let Jesus actually live in you. And it'll be the hope of glory. You will live and bring Christ into that place. Those who don't know him will see your light, your good deeds, and they'll glorify your father in heaven. Yes, man, move out. Why? Because Jesus Christ, who left heaven and moved into the neighborhood, who moved into our mess, is living in you because he still wants to move because he wants all men to be saved. This is Bill Townsend. Bill is one of my main mentors for me. This guy freaks me out, man. He is the guy that you don't know, but you know everybody he knows. It's really insane. He's an incredibly successful businessman. He has started so many different companies. He presents things to the Senate. This guy just, and, and I love to be with him. Every time I just sit with him, I'm stronger by the time I leave. Because this guy will do anything that Jesus asks him to do. But here's what's cool. Most people don't know how. They don't know how to make their faith and their work together. Right? We go to church. We do your small groups. You do your compassion things. And then it's like, all right, now I got to go to work. And then you spend all that time at work. And then you come back and maybe get a little Jesus Bill doesn't know how to separate his faith from his work. He doesn't know how. So I actually brought him in and we brought a bunch of men together. And I said, Bill, would you just tell, like, how do you do this? How do you move out in Christ? As Christ is in you, how do you do it? Let me just share with you two things he said. The first thing he said is, Dave, first of all, he goes, every, everything we do is about relationship, period. Everything. He says, this is pretty funny, because sometimes he'll go to these high flute and board meetings like in New York City or whatever, and he'll walk in, and the CEO and Bill will sit there and talk about their families for like 20, 25 minutes. And everybody else around the board's going, are we meeting? But what he does always is any person he's working with, the first thing he does is he makes sure they know, I love you. And so he's been working with us. We're in a big, huge deal with our building and stuff. He's our main negotiator, so I've seen it firsthand. And the guys who own our building, you know what? I am at so much peace. You know why? Because they love us. 
They just love us. But they don't, I don't know if they really love us. You know who they love? Bill Townsend. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you can go to work on Monday. Jesus is in you. Does he love everyone in your workplace? Right. Yes. And if you made that, that's moving out, man. That is doing it. It's loving. Here's the second thing Bill said he does. He goes, we do business with radical grace. Can I just ask you, how many of you have received radical grace? Every one of you. Who should get radical grace from us then? If Jesus gives radical grace and he's living in you, then move into your workplace with radical grace. And so Bill, in all these big deals, there are people that he's working with who do not deserve anything. And their company blesses them. Financially, just pours into them. Goes the extra mile when the people aren't following through. And so he's just totally messing with the whole way that business is done. Guess what? Do people want to work with Bill Townsend? You bet, man. And because he lives like Jesus in his work, people in the world come to find Jesus. Jesus Christ, man, he is our savior and he's living in you. And here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. He came into the world to save sinners and he's not done yet. And he's alive in you because he still wants to save sinners. So he designed you uniquely to get to somebody else that he can relate to through your personality. And he walked right by you with every part of your story so he could redeem it and use it to relate to somebody else. And then he said, okay, and now I'm coming in. I'm coming in because we're going out and we're gonna change the world. Father in heaven, everyone who's here, Speak. Tell them what they intellectually know that you're in them, but God, speak and tell them, no, I am in you because I want to move through you and I want to change the world and I want to save souls. So go out. Go out. God, I praise you because you're working and every, I just know, God, that every time you ask us to do anything, it's not because we're supposed to go do it for you. It's because this is what you're doing, and you're just asking us to join you. Thank you, God. Would you move in this place and do radical grace and beautiful love Monday morning and in everything that they do so that their light shines, people see their good deeds, and they end up glorifying you. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can't run away. He's trying to run off the stage. I'm like, no, man, you got to stay. You got to stay. Uh, isn't that just, uh, I, you awaken my heart as a person. You really do. Uh, you were talking about Bill Townsend. You said, every time I meet with him, uh, when I leave him, I feel stronger. That's how I feel with you. 
I feel that here. I feel that when we have breakfast the last two times you've been in, yeah. I leave there and feel stronger, so I'm so encouraged. But I did write something because uh, you really do inspire me. Here's what I wrote. See if it hits you guys. You're God's idea expressed. That line is a powerful line. I would say almost every conversation that I have in the 20 years, at some point, people start to believe that they're not God's idea. But listen to that. You are God's idea expressed, and this is what I wrote, uniquely made to move out and be, on, be an expression of God to the world, writing God's story through your story. That's beautiful. What a powerful, powerful, uh, uh, just a vision for us as a community. And so I just want to thank you so much. Can you give Thanks. another huge thank hand? You. I'm going to pray for you. Okay. Is there something, um, there's something we can be praying for? For K2, for that region, for you. Do you oh, have something my. on your heart? How long you got? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we got at least another four hours. So. No, I, I, you know, uh, we're in a unique situation where the building we're in, the school that we were sharing it with left. And okay. so, so just the God will get us in the right place with our facility. And then, man, we are hardcore. We're going to make disciples who make disciples this year. Mm, and so the, the, the God will lead us to do that well. Great, let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for your heart and this man's heart. Gosh, I mean, just awakens our heart. That is your work, your, your heart expressed through this, this man. And so we do ask for a unique situation. You are the provider, Lord. You are the one that holds everything in your hand. It says in the very hollow of your hand, very, very hollow of your hand, you hold the waters of the whole earth. How big are you, God? We never have to worry about provision. And so we ask for something extraordinary, and, and extraordinary knowing that it's your hand that's providing and nothing that we're doing, none of our strategies, but rooted in you. And then, Lord, what a beautiful thing to say, that we would make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Uh, that's what you trained your disciples to do, and it's why we sit in this room. Uh, it's exactly why we sit in this room. So would we all be able to do that more this year? But in K2 in particular in that region, would you bless them in the biggest way? Uh, let them know that your hand is moving extraordinary ways this next year. We thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.